0: You're listening to the World Football Programme with all the latest updates from both local and international football.
1: silence but in football our voices can never be tamed and in 2023 we will sing again as one bonded by our passion for the beautiful game two confederations two countries, home to hundreds of cultures and languages. But football is the language we all speak, it's the game that connects us all. We are Australia, we are New Zealand. Together, we are ready to welcome the world.
2: Oh! Oh, she's got it
1: again! One opportunity, one future. As one.
3: Tenakoto, Tenakoto, Tenakoto katoa. Today, two Piehetia together, let's make history. Australia and New Zealand have come together as one to deliver a tournament of firsts. The first ever FIFA World Cup across confederation boundaries, the first FIFA Women's World Cup in the Asia-Pacific, and the first in the Southern Hemisphere. But for the As One bid team, it's not simply just about making history. It's also about creating opportunities. Your vote today for AS ONE will create those opportunities and open new frontiers for the women's game. AS ONE, we stand ready to host the Women's World Cup 2023 and will set new records. Over 1.5 million spectators, increased commercial revenue and broadcasting audiences possible because we span four time zones.
0: And at the heart of everything we do will be the world's greatest footballers performing on centre stage Our modern stadia and first-class football facilities will ensure the best preparation for all teams. Our three travel hubs will mean short travel times for players and fans, while our mild southern hemisphere winter ensures ideal playing conditions. And on top of all this, our 200 cultures will make every team feel at home. Together, we will make football the number one sport in our countries and leave a profound legacy across the Asia-Pac region and beyond. Women's football is much more than a game for us. It is a social priority. We are proud of the role we are playing to make gender equality a reality, including equal pay for our men and women. Football is the language we all speak. It is the game that connects us all. It has the power to change lives. Together, let's break new ground. Together, let's make history.
4: Having had the privilege of
5: competing in four World Cups, it fills me with so much pride to know that we will have the opportunity to showcase our world-class facilities, dedicated team base camps and put our stunning host cities on the map. Both of our countries have placed women's football as a priority, showing true commitment to growing the game and hosting in 2023 will further build on that legacy. We are ready to deliver the greatest FIFA Women's World Cup the world has ever seen. Thanks, Ali. The Women's World Cup is the pinnacle of our sport and truly what dreams are made of. The best teams in the world, the best players in the world, participating on the biggest stage. This is about inspiring the next generation of girls by leading the way on the field and off it. We're ready to embrace the world and make you feel right at home too. Let's do this together and make history in 2023. Together.
4: Kōtahitana. Skupai, Sangue, Juntos, Yemen, Taylor,
6: El Taka Taka. Together as One. To all the FIFA Council members, G'day from Down Under. As we navigate our way through these challenging times for the world, we would be honoured to bring the world together for the FIFA Women's World Cup in 2023. Australia, and our New Zealand cousins have a long history of achieving great things together and working hand in hand, as we have shown through our partnership approach to the COVID-19 crisis. My government has committed its full support to deliver a groundbreaking tournament. Being home to over 200 cultures, all 32 teams will experience that feeling of playing in front of a home crowd, with the biggest matches played in the biggest stadiums. Australians and New Zealanders are passionate about our sport and our football, and it would be an honour to host the largest women's sporting event in the world. Together, let's make history in 2023.
7: Tina I'm here today with the support of the New Zealand government and the people of Aotearoa to say that we would love to see you all here in 2023. You already know that Australia and New Zealand have the facilities, the expertise, the scarves and the passion to deliver the best ever FIFA Women's World Cup. We are leaders not only in women's football, but in the journey to achieve gender equality both on and off the pitch. We've achieved equality in pay for our women's national teams and this is something we are very proud of. This tournament will provide an opportunity to grow women's football across all of Asia Pacific and beyond. We'll shine a light on the women's game like never before. Let's come together as one in 2023.
6: local station.
8: West Coast futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. With four great locations around Perth, we have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today.
7: Do you want better strata management? Put Prosperity Strata Management at the top of your list. We provide a flat competitive fee with no extra or hidden charges. We provide value for money repairs with contractor prices reviewed regularly. And we provide prompt professional service with 30 years experience, which is why our clients recommend us. Your property is our concern. See prosperitystratamanagement.com.au. Station sponsor.
6: Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station Sponsor.
9: Welcome, everybody. This is the World Football Programme. A long introduction there, but I felt it was definitely warranted with some great news for Australia and New Zealand in that we have won the right to have the Women's World Cup here in Australia and New Zealand for the first time ever. And we have Elizabeth Ree, who's a councillor in the city of Stirling, on the line, along with myself, Don, and Miranda in the studio. Good morning, Liz. Good morning, everyone. It's a lovely morning in Perth,
10: isn't it?
2: (laughs) <laughs> it's a lovely
11: morning in australia Liz, it's um i mean you should be dancing in the street now that we got the, uh, the the women's world cup coming to our little town how how fantastic news is that
10: ah it's great i think uh, we're all glued to the radio um when it was announced and yes it was fantastic and it's not only fantastic for australia and new zealand as a nation but it's fantastic for all the girls and women out there that want to play. And 2023 is a really great three-year build-up that can, that can only be fantastic for women and for the sport itself.
11: It, it's, it, uh, for me, it's been 20 years in the making. I, I remember around 2000, the new millennium, we always kept talking on this show. The, the sleeping giant was women's football. And, uh, we said, how long before it actually gets the respect it deserves? And, uh, and, and now, this is like, for me, this is the icing on the cake. We, you know, Australia's finally made it. We, we, we're actually there. We're at a point where, um, you know, it's no longer a game that's looked at as, oh, it's just the girls having a runaround. It's actually football played at its, its highest level and our girls are um, amongst the best in the world. And, that, and that's why we deserve to have it here in, uh, in New Zealand. It's a f- fantastic um, day for football in Australia. I'm proud.
9: It's going to mean so many great things for Australia. Uh, we're in kind of border closed position at the moment, but West Australia is doing so great. Uh, Australia is generally doing better than the rest of the world in in terms of COVID-19. We've got a couple of years before the uh, World Cup kicks in. We've got the news that the home of football is going to be built and that's one of the... Uh, stadiums that is uh, going to be used um, so let's hope that you know that actually gets underway and the stadium is ready for 2023 Um we've got um, young Miranda Templeman in the studio here and hopefully she'll be in that Matildas squad in a couple of years time. <laughs> yep fingers
11: crossed.
9: i <laughs> <laughs> um, playing your first game this week too which is great news Miranda. Yep eight months in the making so <laughs> yep 45 minutes <laughs> I'll take that any day of the
11: week. Fantastic.
9: Yeah, that's great. And uh, more news, of course, uh, that Simon Hill is stepping away from Fox Sports. Craig Foster is stepping away from SBS. Now, I'm not quite sure what to read into that, but possibly with FFA... Um, assuming control of the A-League more and more that uh, maybe and the World Cup bid being successful, that there's something in the back end there. Something brewing. Yeah, something brewing.
11: A a, a new, let's call it, um, you know. A
9: super super team of everything getting assembled. A
11: super media team being Mm. put together for... The, the launch of the new birth of football, fingers crossed, because those guys, I mean, how can you, how can you not have Craig Foster and, and Simon, you know, commentating or, you know, being involved in our game? It's almost a bit like Eddie Lenny not being involved in, uh, yeah. you know, football here in WA, but um, no, nah, it'll be interesting.
9: Penn. And one more piece of news for the Reds fans out there, of course, uh, Liverpool winning <laughs> the EPL Top Honour. For the first time I don't know how many years I notice you're wearing I'm red we- there. I'm
11: wearing a red top but it just <laughs> happens to be the Wildcats and I would love Liverpool for all my Scouser mates out there. It's been a long time coming. Congratulations. You, you definitely deserve it. Best coach on the planet and he's assembled one of the greatest squads ever to play. It's just magnificent. Well done.
9: Yes. Good good news for the Liverpool fans out there. And a big mm. thank you to everybody for listening in and lobbying on to the World Football Programme. Page and putting news and comments. Peter Wright, you're an absolute legend, and thank you very much to all of my team, of course, who um, put news on the on the um, page. And then every fortnight we rotate. And uh, by the way, on the rotation thing, I did speak to Tom Samani just before they he's the former Matilda's coach and now the New Zealand Ferns coach. Mm -hmm. I spoke to him just before the bid and then just after the bid and I said, Tom, whether we win it or not, you can come on the radio and have a chat to us, can't you? And he goes, yeah, no problems, Penzo. In two weeks' time, we're going to have a chat to Tom Somani.
11: Oh, brilliant. (laughs) Uh, I just wanted to ask uh, Liz a a question just at the council level. Liz, how's it been, um, you know, during this COVID period, you know, having council uh, meetings and making decisions on, you know, what's good for the local community? What, What sort of initiatives has the City of Stirling been working? Working on during this uh, period of time?
10: Uh, well, we've had, like the Premier and the Prime Minister, we've had like, similar stimulus, stimulus packages of, of not charging for ground use, not charging for um, light, etc. I, I think it's been very, very difficult on the sporting clubs, in particular the bowling clubs, the football clubs, yeah. all of those clubs that re- rely on revenue from the local mm-hmm. uh, to sustain them uh, during the season, the off season, etc. And because it's been so delayed, a lot of them are, are, are really suffering. And it's, it'll be interesting to see. Um, we've got a free counselling service that. Sterling as well for all the clubs and anyone else to uh, to get them across the line Mm. and so that we know what their issues are. Um, And we've got a big meeting again next week about how we actually make sure the clubs stay viable. But we have to be logical and cognizant of the fact that some clubs are just not going to come back again. So, therefore, the heritage and the history value of those clubs, some of our clubs are 60, 70 years old, um, we want to retain that. So we're also looking at how we keep that. And it would be fantastic when the Football Hall of Fame finally has their museum because then we can actually, local government will be able to direct a lot of those clubs that way, which which will retain not only the sports history but WA history, which is so important as we go forward, especially in the lead-up to the Cup. Uh, you know, we'll definitely have a game here, which is fantastic. The Prime Minister has said that uh, he has put 20 million aside for towards women-only change rooms, Mm -hmm. and hopefully that will be um, decided before the end of the year, so that local governments can tap into that money and raise the standard of the uh, the actual clubs at the grassroots level Mm. for women. And I think by having really good change rooms at the grassroots level. It will encourage more women to play, Liz, and this will have a knock-on effect.
9: Liz, do you think that might change, though? We are having a very different year to a lot of other years that uh, the government has thrown in a lot of support into different areas they were not expecting to do. It's got to make a dent in a few budgets. How do you think that might affect the $20 million that was expected to be put into upgraded facilities? Well, the Prime
10: Minister has also said it's got to be shovel-ready projects. It's got to be infrastructure projects. It's yeah. got to be projects to are building yeah. right. to create jobs. So having change rooms definitely create jobs. So it's yeah. actually part of their stimulus plan and it's part of getting the uh, economy back and running because one change room is not just the concrete. It's the electrician. It's the yes. bathroom, the, the tilers, it's yeah. the plumber. But it's yeah. also, I hope, I'm trying to push through at the moment that, that local government and state government use at least 60% of Australian-owned products and services. And that might be difficult because we can't source some of them. However, you know, there's nothing wrong with the fact of state government uh, building manufacturing plants here. Yes. Where you know, we have some clothing made here, which is fantastic, but maybe not the material. Hmm. But they are at least made here. Yep. But, I mean, they could state government could go out on a limb. And build a toilet paper roll factory Mm. (laughs) that's going to create jobs, look after the future here. And sanitiser. Little things like that that I think create jobs and they can be orientated to sport Mm. to make the products that we use in sport Mm. cheaper. Yeah
11: and uh, you know the other thing for our sport in particular is the high cost for parents to have their children participating and playing at football clubs that's something that you know where's a, 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 an organization should be looking at um, how how can we make our sport more affordable uh, and and that that comes with support from government it comes from subsidies it comes from all sorts of areas but it also comes from making our clubs more um, diverse and more functional basically working not just as a football club but working as a community based club that uh, attracts community uh, groups and community activity so i think that that's the challenges ahead for our sport liz uh, just from my point of view
9: just on that before you jump in there liz i i get excited with that because it's about changing the model that clubs have but if the, the club has limited infrastructure mm. and it's uh, multi using a public uh, area or yep. public facility, then it's kind of limited. It is so changing the facility or putting more money into the facility, so that um, it could be something like uh, Kingsway Olympics, are a great yep. example. They yep. have great big space out there. They yep. can have their market space. So they yep. can attract an income. They yep. can involve all the other sports in that area. Yep. They can bring income into the club, sure. and then they could potentially offer lower mm. cost fees to yes. the members.
11: And that's hopefully that's what we're you know the the, the future of football is to get that uh, high cost down. And uh, not not have uh, families who basically are struggling now uh, and can't afford to pay the fees for their kids um, dropping out of the game because of that reason.
9: Yeah, can I just ask Miranda? Mm. You're involved with the NTC at the moment, so in the Women's NPL National Premier League. Uh, for you, uh, I know your parents are you know heavily involved in transporting you around because mm-hmm. you don't have a license yet. Um, you have a lot of programs that you're involved with, and a lot of after-school activities involved in your sport. So is it user pays or d- does the program pay? Or how do you get through all of that? No, so NTC is basically the same as any
12: other club. You pay your registration fees mm-hmm. um, and you get to play for the club. So in that sense, it's not different at all. When, when you get selected to um, represent WA, mm-hmm. that's also pay away. You pay, user pay. to... Go over to the trip and pay for the accommodation and everything you mm. need to go for. Mm. Um. But then once you get to a national level, then it's paid for. So you have to kind of pay your way up until you get to yep. the very top. So like yep. paying and the it's
9: paying bad. the taxes. It goes into yeah. the kitty and then yeah. when you get to the higher level, you can get <laughs> but, back into that kitty
11: <laughs> I'm, I'm sure Liz will recall when her dad was president of uh, the Soccer F- uh, Federation back in the day, um, all state teams were basically paid for by the state federation. Mm. So if you re- represented our how state, was it was an honour. Liz, can you explain how, how could we do it back in that yet in this modern day we can't do it.
10: Well, in those days, because it was considered a privilege and people didn't have the money, they didn't have the sponsorship at the lower level, they got the sponsorship. Dad went out and got grant funding, et cetera, to make sure that um, that wasn't the worry by the players. All they had to think about was playing. And that was the idea. you got to concentrate on one thing. So they kept the finances away and raised the money. I think it's, it's, you could do it again today. Yep. Um, I think one of the things with COVID is people are looking at staffing. There's a lot of consultants. There's a lot of extra people that really aren't necessary, but they are maybe necessary different people. So... Right. Um, What a team needed years ago, they don't need today. They don't need as many marketing people, but they need marketing resources. It's a different game that we're going into, and people have to learn to reinvent themselves. So sometimes you don't have to reduce your workforce, but you actually have to change what the workforce does. And I think that sometimes is a mindset that we have to go through. And it's no different from when we had the... Technological age, when we had the industrial age, mm. we're going through the cyber age, mm. and we just have to just reinvent. People will always have jobs. Yeah. You're just going to be able to do something differently, and I think this day and age, like um, especially with sport, uh, and even when we see the Olympics and that, the cost of money uh, to attend and what they what the players miss out on on going, um, that's been raised on the federal level so many times, uh, and yet it doesn't seem to get a Guernsey, which it should do. So no. hopefully it would. Um, a lot of councils, like Stirling, they, uh, if a, a person that lives in the city of Stirling, a, a, um, someone under 18, and I'm trying to have that raised to anybody, um, goes and is selected to represent Western Australia or uh, Australia, then they can actually get money from the City of Stirling.
11: Yeah, and that's, so that's a great initiative, which,
10: yeah. Yeah, so it might not be a lot, but it might yeah. pay for a couple of things. We've yep. also paid for, a, years ago, we paid for a team mm. that went and played netball, mm-hmm. and um, they had all City of Stirling um, bags. So that saved them buying the bag. Yep. So, you know, we are very much committed to sport. Yep. Uh, we're the biggest council in Western Australia, the 10th biggest in Australia. We, we know how much sport is, is so much ingrained in the Australian culture mm. and uh, and we're very proud of that. Uh, and uh, I would love to say that we would have a great stadium mm. in which someone could play, you know, one of the games uh, for the um, World Cup in the city of Stirling Turf, but one never knows. Well, but I was just going to say that one of the other things that I'm looking into is insurance because I'm concerned that when... The public liability insurance is just getting so expensive. Mm. Um, the councils are paying for it, the clubs are paying for it and the people are paying for it. So mm. it's three lots of insurance for one place mm. and I really think that that needs to be reevaluated in this day and age.
11: Agreed. And just on that note regarding uh, City of Sterling getting uh, involved in uh, building a facility, I know public open space is pretty much at a premium in our uh, great council, but um, where where would you see the the space available for this type of complex in, in the city? Have you got any ideas of wh- where you'd locate it, right next door to the city maybe?
10: Well, as part of the Stirling City Structure Plan which I was involved with before I even came on council to push the government into changing what goes on in the heart of Stirling where right. um, Stevenson is, um, in that project, we actually had a a big oval, we had a swimming pool, gym, etc. But I suggested at the time that what we do is we have a stadium underneath the um, car park, which is the old rubbish tip, because mm. it'd be cheaper to go underneath it. So you go into the stilling train station and you go in the tunnel under the road. I mean, they do it in Europe all the time. They do it very much in the UAE, but... You know, that way it's easier to control the temperature. You've got car parking up top, you've got the train, you've got the bus, um, and then it's contained. It wouldn't really work for football because that wouldn't work for Aussie rules, but for soccer and rugby it'd probably work quite well and uh, you could actually have it uh, under the ground.
11: Und- so underground stadium, wow, with no sunlight. That's That would be pretty... Uh different.
9: <laughs> a game, like a game being played at night. I'm it's like a, in an indoor facility. Idea.
11: Yeah, it's like <laughs> basically an underground indoor facility.
9: That's a lot of sand that's got to come out from under the ground. <laughs> so
11: yeah. Well,
10: I mean, if you built it on top, yeah. which is right next to Sterling, mm. you'll, you'll have to take more of it out because of the peak.
11: Yes. Mm.
10: And and because it's an old rubbish tip. So, to me, it's probably, and we did these figures 20 years ago when we were trying to get the, a, a stadium built. Um, prior to being on council, Mm. that above or below the ground, that's our greatest and our biggest open space because most of the other areas are all built on, unfortunately, and we don't have as much space. Although, where we've got the Sicilian Club and down the back there at Grandleford, that's got a fair bit of room, but it's quite swampy down there, so you would still have the same problem with the peak. Actually,
12: yeah, well, yes. what about the – um? well, if it's not got any natural sunlight, would the pitch be artificial or would they get artificial light to grow real? No, us? but all artificial. All artificial. Yeah.
10: Everything. A lot of things are going to artificial now. Your tennis, your um bowling clubs, they've got artificial turf. They've got an artificial turf putting in – I think it was France that I saw mm. uh, and that's totally indoor playing soccer indoors. Um, like you you would play volleyball inside, mm. and it's just all artificial.
9: Just,
11: wow. Wow, yeah, that is uh, – <laughs> yeah, you've just uh, blown everyone's minds there, Liz, and I'm sure everyone's thinking hard about it because that's, it's sort of uh, new age type stuff. And where whereabouts in Europe do, do you know of these sorts of venues actually well, there's, in existence?
10: There's, France, there's definitely one in France. Yep. There's one in Dubai. Um and uh, which you go into, and they don't have a space problem, but they have a temperature problem. Yep. And so that you can, you actually go. Um, I've been into Dubai, and you actually go under the ground. So you, um, you can, you go actually, you know, like have you ever done the um, Fremantle Prison tour underground?
2: Yep. Mm-hmm.
10: It's like that. You go underneath the ground, so it's cooler and everything. You just walk through a tunnel and you're there. It's no different from getting out of a train station and walking under a tunnel or the subways in New York, the subways in England, the subway in Melbourne. (laughs) It's exactly the same. You just walk in, you get out of the train station, go under a tunnel, and you're at the venue.
9: I'm thinking of the engineering specifications for that and how many supports you'd need to put per square metre to actually hold up that amount of space above a pitch. (laughs) It doesn't Mm. work in my head.
10: It's no different (laughs) when you would have to put the stadium um, uh, above the ground. Mm. You have to still stabilise it. The difference is with the cost of, it's like one third of the cost of doing a bowling green is reduced by having artificial turf. And it's becoming more common. And with people having allergies, the change in weather conditions, um, people are saying we can't have it like it is. Mm. But having said that, there's a lot of requirements on verges about artificial turf because people were buying artificial turf from places and people would throw a cigarette out, they shouldn't have done anyway, Mm. and they'd catch fire. Mm -hmm. So you've got standards that must be complied with and health standards, but with allergies and all sorts of issues going along, it's going that way. But it doesn't mean it has to be synthetic or plastic. Mm. It still can be like a bamboo or some other Uh, hemp or something else like that that can be made. And there's a lot of work being done on it. There's a big activity at the Henderson Centre where we had a presentation about weeds. So instead of having grass and having to mow the grass, what you do is you get specific weeds and they're really close together. So they look like grass (laughs) and they just mow it in a certain way and so you look like you've got a playing field.
9: Wow, Liz, uh, you are a fountain of absolute amazing information. Thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate your time. No worries, and yes,
10: I'm still dancing. My dad and I are
9: still dancing.
2: <laughs>
10: <laughs> and last night, my um, my daughter, my daughter-in-law, who's from New Zealand, um, she was sitting there talking about with her friends mm. of where they were going to stay over there. When, mm-hmm. when it comes up um, so they can see the games over there and here. Fair so name. everybody's already planning. We've just got to get Qantas
9: to um, get some cheap flights for us. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, that's another story. Keep, keep working
11: on that. <laughs> Good one. Anyway,
9: stay safe yeah. and, yes, it's a fantastic
10: day for Australia, New Zealand, women and girls all over the world.
11: Yeah.
9: Say hi to your dad for us, Liz. Yeah, that's it. No worries. Stay right. safe. Bye, Bye Liz. That was Elizabeth Ree, a councillor in the city of Stirling. And wow, that's, that's so much to think about. Can yeah, you imagine the noise in that stadium, oh, the it, echo? How it, cool would that be?
11: It would be, yeah, and probably a thousand people would make. Make it seem like 10,000 yeah, there. Exactly. So, yeah, it'd be it'll be pretty. Um, I mean, you think about it, it's like, you know, it's space age type stuff. Like, mm. it happens only in, you know, countries like Dubai, which is like a dream, you know, city where they build stuff that's futuristic and everything. And uh, m- maybe it might work here in Australia one day. Who knows? It's yeah. uh, something different.
9: It is. Mm. Let's go to a break and come back and have a chat to ECU. Vice-President Sid Amflett. This is Penny, Miranda and Don on the World Football Programme. You're listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. Hi,
11: I'm Peter Skeler. The world is a
6: little different to us all right now. We may be learning to play football with our mates online, keeping in touch by FaceTime and watching classic matches on shared TV. One thing that won't change is being able to listen to the World Football Programme on Radio Fremantle.
11: Your World Football team are here every Saturday from 10am to 12 noon. We appreciate your support and stay safe, Australia. We're all in this together.
0: irish guys above don't fence me in
4: oswest fencing and Rot iron are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing the oswest team can offer four generations of advice materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project we specialize in color bond aluminum steel and timber gates check out our galleries at oswestfencing.com.au that's A-U-S-W-E-S-T-Fencing.com.au.
13: Everybody has goals.
8: Whether it's learning a new skill or passing on knowledge. Making new friends. Is it finding a career path?
0: ...or reaching your full potential.
2: For that, day,
14: Chase your goals. See where football can take you.
6: For football's sake.
11: For the sake of our registered players. There's 37,000 of them. For the sake of the game.
0: For the sake of the dozens of high achievers who are already flying the WA flag in the world's best football leagues.
4: For the sake of our visitors from Asia and beyond whose cultures are woven through football.
12: For the sake of Perth glory, the state's A-League
15: team which aims to inspire the next generation.
4: For the sake of the mums and the dads, the fans, the followers and the football faithful who are steeped in the most popular sport on the planet.
9: Football
6: needs a home. Football deserves a home. Every family needs a home. For football's sake.
9: There's absolutely no reason whatsoever that anyone should be able to think of that we cannot now get that home of football.
11: It's going to happen, isn't it, Sid? Welcome to the show.
13: Thanks, guys. Good to be on.
11: Ah, Great. Uh, You're down at the home of ECU Joondala at the campus.
13: I've just left the campus uh, partially because I'm having some tiles done at home. I don't do anything at home, but I've... I've actually uh, completed the task of my wife thinking I'm absolutely useless at everything, so I should just give up on me.
11: Sid, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, but
13: I did come on to, to as I do, to just to uh, annoy people and make sure everything's all right. I am going back to the campus very soon where, where I'm more comfortable.
11: They need you, mate. You're, uh, you're the driving force of that club, along with uh, probably another half a dozen gentlemen that have been there forever and ever, and uh, things are starting oh, they, to they change. Won't.
13: Yeah, it's right. Well, the change the ones have been there forever and ever. Steve really stepped down as president, twenty-seven years. Uh, Dave gent with you know, with work and business, have uh, done the stint. Dave Gent continues to sponsor the club with, through IMO, but his business takes precedence there. And John Higgins, all these people, Miles O'Neill have all stepped down. Um, I think, I think you're
11: going to have to carry me out in a coffin, to be honest. I, I, I still love it. So. <laughs> no, mate, they'll, like, like, uh, I used to say back at Massey Park, they'll have to, uh, they'll have to bury me at the park, uh, to get rid of yeah. it. But, I uh, that, I mean, I, I think so. you've got a great passion for the club, Sid. That, that goes without saying. And, uh, you know, that, that passion also comes with lots of pride and lots of ambition. And, uh, this year just feels as, as much as it's a strange year and we can call it the Clayton's Cup that, um, we're playing for almost nothing, but we are playing for something. There's pride. We
13: always play for nothing, you know that. Don.
11: <laughs> <laughs> the winning, reason
13: winning, winning the league in normal circumstances does not reflect. No, you know, um, what for But anyway, but let's not go down that path. We will we
11: yeah, We'll keep it keep it on the path of um yeah. what's yeah. what's in store for ECU this year, under uh, the guidance of Kenny Lowe, who um you know Kenny's a, a favourite son and uh, returns there yeah. with um, some great ambition and hoping to uh, get ECU back up up the ladder at the top. Where uh, well, they you know, the, you know it's like Don, and the
13: ambition has always been to win the league. Yeah. Um, for me, um. Uh, and, and develop the best players we can, which we have, we have done. Um, a lot's been done in terms of um, in terms of player development to try and stop that in Australia, and, and I mean, in terms of um, the way you've increased the um, academies, twenty-two academies doesn't help. Yep. Um, you know, so that's been difficult. Mm. But I, me personally, my ambitions are, you know, I want to win the league. I want to keep producing players. Mm. I think we've got one of you know, one of the best coaches became available. Yep. Um I've seen him work before, I actually got him down to the campus for about a month mm. before he went to the NTC. So it's been a long term uh dream to chase him, got him finally here and um yeah, he's certainly he's there this morning and he's talking to all the juniors and the commitments, fantastic, and that, that was the same with Dale as well. By the way, yeah. Um, but changes with with changes with new presence enabled us to get Kenny on board, and you know we t- we talk about change, and I talk to Kenny. We, we want change, but some what is change, and mm. some people want change but don't want change. If you know, if you know what I'm saying, yep. Mm. We want we, we, things can't stay the same. Mm. The club is changing. Players are changing. We're getting The players are getting younger, mm. more competitive, coming out of the glory, coming back from overseas. Uh, these players from next year uh, to the, you know, be horrifying for the old-timers like Tommy, Shane and John, but they'll train three days a week. Mm.
9: Sid, give uh, us...
13: So, we, you
9: know... yeah, see, give us a little bit of an idea of the landscape at uh, ECU, Lup in terms of the pathway for players. Do you have all of the levels of football it like, gives an idea of the programs that are there and the numbers etc
13: well we've always we've always uh, worked on uh, one team per age group um we don't do social football does not my, my, my philosophy is everybody plays the TCU. don't like seeing people play away from the ground that you need to part of the club and um, we have trials and that's continued i do i do believe the standards slipped a little due to the you know, the uh, escalation of the, uh, you know, the academies. There's now 22 academies. So there's not enough players to fill those academies. Uh, best need to play the best. So we're trying to get back to that. Mm. Certainly, with that that's, that's where I want to be. Mm. Um, you know, that's how we've developed players in the past. We, we went through the pathway of the FFA doing a 4-3-3 three, three to all clubs and it was at the detriment of everything. Um, but, yeah, we're changing. And, you know, Australia's changing. We need to find those players again. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in the NPL. I think the NPLs are fantastic, some fantastic players. Bayswater, you know, the Nichols, the Gogsies, you know, and I looked at the Gwallop side last week, fantastic. You know, they've got Aaron Williams playing, McKechie playing, fantastic players. You look, you look at Perth, won the league created last four. Fantastic. We want to be like them. You know, that's where I'm striving to be. We want, we want to be as consistent as them. On, on our day, we've been able to beat anybody. But on any day we've been able to lose to anybody as well yeah,
11: it's consistency isn't it so you have to get
13: that yeah. consistency yep. consistency and, and uh, you know the players are, the adapts I've watched Kenny's training fantastic you know but mm. he, he has to transmit that now onto the pitch big test today Floria, uh, and we start next week and I said to Kenny this is he doesn't believe me because I said, oh, this is a 15-game warm-up for next season, but he, let me tell you, he wants to win these 15 games, <laughs> like everybody
11: else. <laughs> but, I mean, that's the truth of the matter. We we have got a season that's uh, quite unusual, but um, you can still, uh, you know, make a lot out of this year in terms of developing your club and uh, and and where yeah. you want to be. And I, I see ECU as, um, you know, I know Bayswater and uh, Perth and the likes of the uh, top clubs around town, up and that, though they're all looking over their shoulder. Going well. ECU's going to be uh, nipping at our heels this year, and they uh, going to make a statement. Yeah, so, maybe. yeah, yeah.
13: Hopefully, mm. hopefully. Yeah, uh, we certainly. I've I've put enough. Uh, I've put enough out there for so people, are listening. So, but you know, we've got back that up on the part. But it's not just that. Uh, you know, uh, as as like Dale before. You know, Kenny's taking an interest in the whole club. He runs the whole football, which is great. He he meets regularly with me and I give him an insight into the history of the ECU and, and the people that are there, and what it means to them. You know, there's a lot more than me. There's some fantastic people about at the moment. A lot of women involved at the moment. Fantastic. A lot, lot easier to deal with than the men, but they're still as... Um, You're uh, uh,
2: less
13: No, they're less moody than the men, actually. Uh, so, yeah, some fantastic women about the club who who are making the changes as well. So, yeah. It's really, really good. Do
9: you really have good. women's teams at the club, Sid?
13: Yeah, we just started. So first, first year, um, and that's been run by Terry Maton with Vanessa O'Brien. I oh,
9: know. So they
13: are in the. Uh, you know, do you know her?
9: Yes, absolutely.
13: And Daniel with, uh, uh, Danielle, I've yet to see her, but Danielle Maton is a, uh, the star player. Come back from the UK, so. Uh, but I'm sure there's a few more star players. Uh, we've got a masters team now. And I'm I'm just, you know, there's a group here that's trying to develop the club to the maximum it can be on those pitches. I think we are about the max now. Um, You know, I think we should be competing at the best level on all those levels. So women need to be in the Premier, the Masters need to be in the Premier, and the Academies need to be top of league, and we need to be developing. The best, the best, the best. You know, I've always strived Mm. for that. Um, you know, and, and every
11: year I go again, go again. See, <laughs> um, the, the the club's got a great track record in uh, in uh, basically developing players for yeah. the. Yeah. Uh, English market, is that going to change in the coming years? Where you're going to focus on maybe keeping them here and trying to help the club uh, become a force, or are you basically going to say no? We, we still keep that pathway open. The kids have to go. The kids that are good enough have to go offshore, and the ones that basically um, are, are here are the are the best that we've got for the local competition here.
13: Well, I think Kenny's philosophy is the same as mine. We want we want to develop players. Kenny wants to give players a pathway. I don't think he finds any more passion mm. than to give players opportunity to go overseas or wherever they go. He wants players. He's been there, been a professional. Yep. You know, I had a trial once at Port Vale, but hey, let's not go there, you know. <laughs> uh, when, when when Kenny does his stories on a Thursday night, I've got my stories as well, just <laughs> at a different level. At all. Um, we're, we're, we're both we both the same. We, we want to develop players. We want to give players opportunities. Yeah. At the same time, that first team needs to be successful. What, what is success? Mm-hmm. We've always been good in development, mm-hmm. but we fell short of the first team. We, 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 we spoke to Dale about, we, you know, we want to give you the opportunity to, to be successful and produce a play. So there's a, there's a thin dividing line there. There is. Uh, Kenny, Kenny's exactly the same. Mm-hmm. If a player has an opportunity to go in the A-League, we wouldn't be stopping him. Mm-hmm. If a player has an opportunity to go to Europe, we certainly would be encouraging that. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the moment, that won't change. Uh, there are training development fees available, mm-hmm. and that does help to keep the club alive. You know, yep. and that's available to everybody. You find a player mm-hmm. that's available to everybody. But first and foremost mm-hmm. is get those players into clubs. We've got a player, Matthew Dench, playing with the first team today, 15 years old. He's signed Patron on a scholarship. So that conveyor belt is still going. Uh, you know, we're, we're trying to get the word out there a bit more. I think people get fed up of hearing we've got a player here, a player there. We just go with better business. You know, Matthew Dench is going to England in the next couple of weeks yep. uh, to start a scholarship. Charlton, Ashley Maynard Brewer, 21, is at Charlton. And, you know, there's players over there uh, doing very well. So we, we'll we'll continue to do that. And while he's here, he'll be part of the first-team squad, I assume. So, you
9: know. Sid, with the different season that we're having now, a delayed start and uh, finish is in a different time period, maybe to usually what it is. Uh, Has that brought any challenges or reservations or any risks to the club? And how have you managed that?
8: Well,
13: the the, the biggest thing is the financial, obviously, start with the presence. I'm sure Don's been there a few times with us. Mm -hmm. We start with the presence, you know, and I can understand some didn't want it to start, some didn't want to, you know, can't pay the players. Every club will manage that themselves. Uh, I did say all along that there w- we would be charging people to get in. We would be having crowds and we will we will be getting money in for food. And that's been seen in the last two home games, pre-season families. We've had good numbers. And, and we've taken decent money over the bar, which has enabled us. But obviously the sponsor money came in early. Uh, those sponsors have supported us. Three major sponsors and, and, and lots more behind there. Uh, they all paid up front quite early and... and not one of them said, "Oh, I want my money back." Mm. They can see what we're trying to do with it. You know, you do need money to pay players. Mm. It's a fact. You know, uh, expenses, and everybody will manage it in their own way. We've had everybody's had discussions, and you know, and ECU is no different. We'll, we'll manage that the best we can. Having said that, we've got some absolute nutters, Football nutty fans like me who <laughs> seem to want to just give money away, <laughs>
9: <laughs> and all of your time. You
2: know, <laughs> you
9: know, look. Yeah,
13: well, the time you know, the time is you never replace the time.
2: No.
13: My wife, I've just always done it. Yeah, she's done her bit. With I'm sure Don knows she's yep. done the food on the Thursday, the food on the Saturday. Yep. And she tries to get away, but she still does the food on the Saturday. It, and you know, is, and I put her in for a The chips and gravy competition with Sorrento. (laughs) I believe he does the best gravy. Should have the chips
11: and gravy cup. <laughs> I,
13: listen, Don, we are, I'll put this out to Kerry now. And um, it's a Sorrento. They will be, I've asked the Chips and Gravy Cup, and they are up for the challenge. Oh, brilliant. And my brilliant. My, my wife's embarrassed by it all, but it, it's, there's got to be a trophy on the mantelpiece. If oh. it's not the league, yep, it's the Chips and Gravy Cup. you
11: got <laughs> to you, you just got to fill, fill it up, mate, and all the players will be into it. But, I, I, we had a chat with uh, Liz um, Ree, um, Julius Ree's, uh, one wonderful daughter who um, is uh, passionate about the game. And we talked about the old days. And one of the things that, you know, stuck in my head after chatting to her was the amount of money that um, Mr. Ree was able to get out of sponsors. And you just touched on how well you've done as a club, you know, bringing in new sponsors. Is it time for our governing body to basically – Get serious about having someone in football West who is a Julius Ree or a, um, a Tony Finney, someone who can go out and reach across to uh, the top end of town and get that sponsorship money our governing body needs to make our competitions and our uh, subsidies for players to play, um, you know, more, more affordable and more attractive. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, well, I'll put it to you. That last bit I'll say is if I said to every club president in the NPL, Go and find me ten grand from someone, and we put it in a pot and there's hundred and twenty grand to play for, and we'll give prize money for who wins who wins it, who finishes second, third, fourth. There's a dividend that's paid to every club that comes in and brings ten grand to the table. I guarantee every club would come up with that ten grand.
13: Hmm. Well, for me, as I've always been an advocate, is uh, you know this, this works it's a pyramid the wrong way where we give money to play in our own league. Yeah, you know, with Football Western and Football Australia have major sponsors, but don't feed any money down to the clubs. Yep, it's quite a peculiar situation. Where you see it in the in the cricket. Mm. Um, we we actually pay about twelve or fifteen grand a year to play in your own league. Mm. I've I've always been an advocate. I, I don't get it. You know, is sponsorship? If you get the right sponsorship, is and I'm, I'm a positive person. I've been involved in business. Mm. The, the business is there if you push enough people. You know, can you give us? Can you give us twenty? No. Can you give us ten? No. Can you? You don't give up. I'll take the five hundred. Correct. I'll take whatever. Correct. You know what I'm saying? And then all those five hundred dollars build up, and we get a banner and this and that. Then, then you find out where you can get the cheapest banners made. That's it. And uh, you just got to maximize what you got. Football West. You know, what? I remember a few years ago, and we, we we never paid the sponsorship people, and you know, and we we humdumming along, and we complaining, and we went. I will tell you what. Let's pay people twenty percent commission. You go, no, 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 no. But do you want a hundred percent or nothing? Correct. Or eight percent of what? You know. And, Correct. That's the, that's the mindset of people. I'm not. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying. Yeah. If somebody's earning two hundred you know, when we had business, if one yeah. of the sales reps was earning two hundred grand, it was because he was earning us yep. loads of money. Yeah. And there are people out there, and we've got fantastic sponsorship team. And uh, and now he's brought all the sponsors in. He, he has asked me about commission. I goes no, no, <laughs> I not have any. So you know that'll be a battle for him. Yeah, I've said he'd have to pay, put his registrations up. <laughs> no, you know, joking apart, yeah. we, we should be we should have a sponsorship team. that should be on good money mm. as long as the salespeople bring money in. Yeah. There's people out there up in the sales normal life. There's people out there yep. who will bring money in. So, you know, you don't don't be afraid of paying money.
11: That's right. to
13: bring money in the, the, the league should be we shouldn't be paying to go in our own league and, and we, we should the, the money that the top team wins should be reflected I'm, I'm the same again yep. I don't care what clubs pay hmm. as long as you you have to manage that hmm. shouldn't there shouldn't have been a you know there's a point system that's enough there shouldn't have been a cap it, it is what it is
2: yeah.
13: I think we should get the best players in if you want to pay a player more, well, that, that's up to you. And, and I think there should be more overseas players yep. because they make our players better. Yes. There are the you've had them done as well yep. and we've had them. Absolutely. They're all the ones the bloodthirsty dollar hungry. You soon suss them out. Yep. They get sussed out yep. all over the years. Yep. But then you get the good ones. The diamonds, good ones. That's Gordon, it. Gordon yep. Smith coming. in. first yes. year, fantastic. Yep. I can name them all the way through. Yep. Gary come coming, fantastic. Yep. Yep. These boys, you know. Top players, yeah right? And every year we've had one of them. Yeah. And, you know, every year we've had we've had not one who's, um, you know, it is done. Yeah. You, you try and help them out, and it doesn't quite work out. Yeah. Sponsorship bit... can be done. Uh, we, we, you know, you need to do that. We've done very well on the sponsorship this year. Massive, that massive difference. And obviously, every yeah, presence in terms of sponsorship is is a game changer in, mm. in terms of that. And I goes, you know, you have to wonder why. But we've all done it. Yeah, we've all. I've done it for twenty years. Sid, you know, but I, you know, my wife said to me, "You, you need to stop, <laughs> Go up there, hours, <laughs> stop giving <laughs> money away." Mate, I'll, I'll
11: see, I'll <laughs> see you at the uh, uh, the chips and gravy counter later on when <laughs> uh, Floret and ECU are playing. So I look forward to having yeah. a beer with you, Sid.
13: No worries, mate.
2: Thanks, right.
9: Sid. You Appreciate your time. All see right.
13: ya. See you, mate.
11: See
2: ya.
13: See you, bye bye. Bye
9: bye. Sid Amplett, the Vice President of ECU Joondalup, he, salesman. I can see it totally. He, he
11: could have talked for another <laughs> yeah. two hours, old Sid. He just loves chatting football, especially ECU football. Yep. Yeah.
9: Do you know of any other fixtures happening around the traps we can promote right now?
11: Uh, yeah. Um, look, I, I think the the real competition is, that kicked off is in the Sunday amateurs. So the uh, NPL um, – oh, sorry, the uh, amateur uh, – Premier Division, which uh, kicked off last week. Even though there's no promotion this year, it's still a very, very uh, interesting league and uh, the big guns uh, that, that that are expected to do well are leaming Strikers there and uh, and uh, who was the other crew? Jaguar, who were a good force last year and Quinns uh, also were expected to do well. But the usual suspects, North Perth United, uh, started off with a win, 4-3 against Maddington uh, White City. Uh, Quinana and Wembley Downs had a two-all draw, uh, both fancied to do well this year leaving strikers 6-0 over queens park jaguar one all with uh, uwa Netherlands. hammersley rovers a big win over southwest phoenix and we were worrying about whether the southwest would um come back and you know be able to form a team because of all the turmoil that went on down there
9: and what happens every year in the Bunbury area and yeah, changeability from uh, the leagues and availability of players the, and the, so on
11: the day that there's stability down there that that Area will be a force again, but uh, it'll
9: happen eventually. It will. Don. I yes. mean, they have be knocking on the door. Well, they got for that so facility
11: down there that's just, you know, yep. first class. So, yeah, they they started off with a loss against Hammersley. Joondalup uh, amateurs uh, beat jo- uh, Quinn, Quinn's FC amateurs 3 1. The matches around today is, uh, sorry, on Sunday is uh, UWA Netherlands against Quinani United. That's expected to be the big clash uh in round 2 so that they're into round 2 where, yep. whereas our boys uh in uh NPL and state league don't uh, kick off till ne- uh next week next week yeah uh, the, the big game there uh on Friday night is the blockbuster between Bayswater City and Perth Soccer Club the uh, mm-hmm. the spaghetti western derby we'll call that one but mm-hmm. uh, that that'll be um a great game to go and see. And then, then Gwilup Croatia kicking off against Inglewood United. Uh, Gwilup will be uh, looking forward to. Um, uh well, they had a big win against Sterling um, last week with Dumba Makeci, uh who Sid just mentioned, back from an overseas stint in uh, Indonesia and Malaysia. Uh, Dumba, in fine form, scored three out of the four goals um, uh, against his old club. He was a Sterling junior, uh, one of our boys, but uh, good to see him back in Perth uh, firing on all, all cylinders. So, well up against Ingle to be a great game. Rockingham against Sorrento that'll be uh, an interesting game down at Lark Hill um, both both clubs um, you know probably looking uh, to get them their season sort of um, stabilised early uh, because of the short season there's no relegation but I think you know there's still a lot to play for Florida Athena taking on Armadale at Litter Stadium ECU Up taking on Coburn City down at the campus and Balcatta against Perth Glory so that's round one which kicks off as I say 3rd of July for the night game and uh, 4th of July for the rest of the teams but um, yeah today it's all scratch match time so uh, mm-hmm. just basically go on the Football WA website and eke uh, e- out the uh, info but uh, the big game is probably ECU June and Florida that'll be a good, good game down at the campus
9: yeah, the boys at footballwa.net uh, put out great information during the week. There was a great interview um, well, with cheesy. Matthew Cheeseman. Yeah, the
11: yep. Cheeseman, and when he had hair. <laughs> 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 this is cheesy with a full of uh, r- look. He just
9: <laughs> he looked sensational.
11: <laughs> love him, love the guy.
9: We will go to a break, and we're going to come back and have a chat to Mariana Tabain. This is Penn, Don, and Miranda on the World Football Program. Thank you for listening in.
7: Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM
2: They can say what they want now we'll
8: be now West Coast Futsal Association has social competitions at Hollywood Futsal Club in West Perth and the Mount Lawley Futsal Club Competitions are open for new players looking for a kick-around with mates from Monday to Friday. For those looking at high-level futsal, there is the Junior Leagues in up on weekends and the Male and Female Super League competitions based in Subiaco. For more information, contact Brittany on 0481 881343. The World Football Programme is a community programme run by volunteers. Just like our host station, Radio Fremantle applies for government grants and sponsorships from year to year to keep us on air. Your support by way of station membership or donation is greatly valued. Contact Radio Fremantle weekdays 94942100 for information on how to become a member or to donate to the station. Thanks for your support.
7: Do you want better strata management? Put Prosperity Strata Management at the top of your list. We provide a flat, competitive fee with no extra or hidden charges. We provide value-for-money repairs with contractor prices reviewed regularly. And we provide prompt, professional service with 30 years' experience, which is why our clients recommend us. Your property is our concern. See prosperitystratamanagement.com.au, station sponsor.
5: A hero to me is someone that you look up to that, can kind of save the day no matter what's happening. I know when I was a kid, I didn't have many female role models. Having young girls grow up and be able to have role models is what I'm most passionate about. I had so many people tell me that I would never make a living off sport. I'm here now doing it. I guess it sounds cliche, but believe in yourself. It's not always gonna be a smooth sailing ride and there's gonna be many ups and downs, but people know the real me and know who I am and that's really important to me. When I'm home and playing in the W League, I cherish those times. I get to play every weekend in front of my friends and family and kind of give back to them for all the support they've given me. The most amazing thing for me is captaining Perth Glory. Every time I get to walk out on the field wearing the captain's armband, leading out the players that I grew up with is amazing. Yes, that
9: was Sam Kerr who come a long way Mm. I can't remember how old that promo is but now she's captaining the Matildas Mm. and we'll hopefully see her in a game here in Perth in a few years time in a new stadium doing what she loves playing in front of the home fans and her family good morning Mariana how are you Uh,
14: good morning Uh, pretty
9: good thank you how are you going we're all awesome thanks for joining us that'd be the first time on the show I reckon so thank you welcome no worries. Thanks for having me. No problems. Now, I'll state my bias up front. I am a Mum FC coach and I have played there for many years, so I'm very happy that uh, I can align yourself with Mum FC. Um, give our listeners a little bit of a, a profile or bio of yourself. Um, from you know, You're a junior. You're from this area where our station is in, in the Spearwood area and uh, your travels across Australia and, and back.
14: Uh, yeah, so I started off at Coburn City um, Soccer Club. Uh, I was obviously really young when I started there and um, played with many, many boys at the time, so there weren't many girls around then. Um, and then from there I went to Western Knights and then um, played with Zamker there. That's kind of where we met. And, yeah, through there we just moved through the ranks um, into state teams, first Glory. Um, and then obviously I made the move to Melbourne City and last year um pursued an opportunity in Europe.
9: So, yeah. And now the border's closed, you're maybe a bit stuck, but mm-hmm. that's probably a bit also good for maybe Perth Glory and Mum FC and Australian football. Uh, uh, you said you are injured. How did you get injured? Um, I'm actually not too sure. I pulled
14: up, um, it would have been November last year that I pulled up during the game quite sore um, in the quad area. And since then, I just haven't been able to really shake it off. Um, and then I kind of, I guess, rush rush getting back into it because I haven't really had many big injuries before. Um, so I guess I'm a little bit stubborn in that sense. <laughs> um, and I've yeah, tried to come back and haven't been able to get rid of it. So in the process at the moment of um, trying to sort it out and find out what's wrong
9: will you be playing some of the WNPL in the short term here for Mum FC?
14: Yeah, I'm hoping to, yeah. yeah. Just once I've yeah figured out kind of what's going on with my leg, if it's referred pain or um, any of that, and then I'd yeah, really like to obviously debut for the club and move forward with the girls and see uh,
9: what the season can bring. Okay. Can you name drop some of the other players in the squad? Oh, I can, of course. <laughs> uh, We've well, got Katarina Yukic. Yep. Um, so
14: she obviously played for Glory last year, um, yep. so a big name for the club. Um, we've got Katie Schubert, so another ex-Glory teammate of mine, um, Sadie Lawrence, Jamie Gibbons, um, Stacey Woodfern, so we've got quite a solid strong, and I think I think the girls do quite well.
9: Yeah, Brock of the squad comes from the um, Queen's Park Club, uh, so they're used to yep. playing with each other, and uh, they've played a few scratch matches. How have they gone in those? Um,
14: I do know on the weekend they beat Perth, so I'm going to rave on about that one. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. 3 1. It was 3 1, so um, pretty big result considering some of the players that they've brought on. Um, apparently, Lexi Moreno came on. Um, so they had some yeah, good players in the mix, and yeah, the girls got the results, so that's a good start.
9: It is, absolutely. So, uh, sitting on the sidelines at the moment as part of the cheer squad, um, are, are you looking maybe. It, because it is a kind of a strange season that starting later, finishing earlier are, are you looking to maybe ease into it in a small kind of way and then play games or are you not going to come into your
14: 100%? Well, I've been trying to come back, um, like I said yeah, a little bit stubborn in that sense but I guess yeah, trying to work through training slowly once I've figured out what's wrong um, yeah, I'll start with training and then progress from there into games and Yeah, hopefully I'll be able to
9: get a few games on my belt before I guess I decide what my next move will be. The uh, squad trains and plays on that artificial surface at Mum FC, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So how do you feel about that coming back from an injury on that surface?
14: Uh, I guess I'm not young anymore, so I'm not that happy about it. <laughs> um, don't be so
11: yeah, hard on I guess
14: yourself. You feel yeah, well, you feel the impact more when you get older and I didn't I didn't listen to the girls when I was young. Um, but I'm I'm not that I'm not that um yeah, bothered about it, I guess. We have an advantage in terms of we train there, we play there and then you know, the girls that we birth, they obviously don't get that opportunity um every single week. So I think it would be good for the squad, um, probably not for the opposition.
9: Yeah, then on the other hand, that um, Mum FC has to go and play on grass, so I don't think there's any other yeah. teams in the league, is there, that play on the artificial surface. So, Yep, mm. could could get a bit muddy on some of the grounds out there. Mind you, most of them are pretty damn good condition these mm. days at that top end of football, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, are you a teacher, by the way? I
14: am, yes,
9: I am. Okay, so is that what you do full-time outside of football?
14: Yeah, yeah, so I'm a relief teacher at the moment, yeah. Um, yeah, so my parents are all about having a backup away from football. Um, so I finished my degree I think two and a half years ago. So you yeah, know, just been teaching ever since. Okay. That's
9: great. What's your specialty? Uh,
14: just primary education. Okay.
9: Wonderful. It is good to have a backup. Yeah. Like we've got young Miranda here in the studio. She's <laughs> learning all about media and you've probably seen her in World Cup, you know, promos and all kinds of things getting yourself out there, hopefully. Uh, how old are you right now, Miranda, and how old will you be in
12: 2023? So I'm 17 right now and I'll be 20 years old. So young for a goalkeeper, but, um, you know, you never know what happens. You just got to put your head down, keep working hard and hopefully be pushing for a spot in that squad.
9: Yeah, speaking of goalkeepers, we all know that Lydia Williams is kind of concrete into mm. into that spot. Um, there's no chinks in any of the armour. No. Um, so, you know, as a young goalkeeper... How do you kind of work your way up into a position with a squad knowing that you might be on the bench?
12: Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, with goalkeeping, you serve your time. You have a period in your career where you will be sitting on the bench and that's kind of inevitable. But um, in training, you are learning from that keeper that's holding that first position um, spot. So, you know, if I was able to um, make even a third position spot in the Matildas, the amount of things you learn from the people that are above you will help you reach that destination of one day filling their shoes.
9: Yes. Mm. So it's going to be a long journey. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Do you see see yourself as having an aspiration to maybe be in the squad for 2023?
12: Yeah. I think, as I said, 20 is very young for a goalkeeper, I think. um, True. For outfield players, 20 is... 20 to 24 is kind of when you emerge as a player, but for goalkeepers it's really 24, 25 and yep, onwards. Yep. So it, it's a difficult feat, but it's definitely something um,
9: I'm striving for, yeah. What about your aspirations, Mariana?
14: Um, I think, yeah, my mind was set on going to Europe and then seeing what happened. Um, I was offered an opportunity last year to uh, stay longer in Croatia and represent their national team. Um, and obviously, I've got a dual citizenship, so that is an opportunity for me. Um, but, yeah, that was that was the situation for me. I was heading to Europe and I was going to see what was going to happen. But I think now I have to maybe just see what happens with this whole virus and if borders open up and things like that
9: um, and then go from there. So you played for the young Matildas, is that right? Yep, yeah, many years ago, yes. Okay, <laughs> yep. So uh, they... It works that if you play at a junior level for any country, you can then step into any country as a senior player, doesn't it? So it doesn't... Uh,
14: yeah, I think there may be a, um, a game cap where you, if you've represented a country um, numerous times, there may be a cutoff. But because I haven't represented the Matildas, the senior team, then I am able to kind of go elsewhere if I needed to.
9: Okay. Yeah, I'm not hearing you um, being very passionate about playing for the Matildas. What's that about? Is, <laughs> isn't that your first call, really?
14: Oh, it would be, yeah. I mean, I guess I've yeah spent many, many years playing here. Um, and at the moment, I don't think that, I guess, that's on the radar for me. Um, I think they've got their team quite set in terms of the older players. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd love to play international level football. So that would be something that I'd aspire to do. And I guess overseas would be where I would head.
9: Yes. We were just talking to the vice president of ECU, Juneslup, Sid Amflit, and he was saying that there's some young players in the squad that are going off to play in England. Mm. And I wondered how that was actually possible with um, borders being closed. Although I have heard of other people who are leaving West Australia and going to other countries, so there are exemptions.
11: Yeah, I think there's special circumstance. So if it's like um, a contract with a club and they want you to come over to be an employee, it's almost like essential services type um, movement. So I'd I'd imagine that's how they've worked that one.
2: Mm.
9: Mm. Okay. So how, Mariana, with you wanting to go and play in Europe... Have you had an offer from a club and it's just uh, waiting your injury outcome or how is that working?
14: Yeah, so um, it would be the club that I was at last year, yep. uh, so um, I went there last year to play for Champions League with them um, and obviously they've had the switch with the season starting later, um, but they that was their second half of the season that they started, later than usual due to the virus outbreak. Um, so at the moment they're playing catch-up a little bit they reduced their games and then... I guess if they
9: qualify for Champions League, then I'd look to go over again. Yep, Yeah, it's a funny old time at the moment. We don't really know what's happening with the A-League that's proposed to turn into a winter competition, and we don't know about the Mm W-League. There's kind of not been any conversation about that yet. So, yeah, lots of things up in the air. But good news is we've got a World Cup coming our way in a couple of years, and there's going to be some stadiums built, one of them which will be in... Cannington, Queen's Park, yep. which is actually five minutes from where I work, which is pretty awesome.
11: <laughs> and Liz, unless Liz gets her way and it's underground at oh, City of Stirling. Right? <laughs> That's amazing. You never, never know. Yeah,
9: absolutely. Uh, Miranda, the women's NPL fixtures are starting next week. Run us through who's playing and where. Yeah, so we've got the opener on Friday night, 8.30pm, which
12: I'll be playing, NTC <laughs> versus Curtin Uni. And then you've got Sunday. You've got the other three games are all at 3 p.m. You've got Perth versus Frio, which will be a really good game. Redbacks versus Subi and Mum FC versus Balcata. So I think Frio versus Perth will be my game of the round because you've got um, Frio, who are obviously uh, winners of the night series, um, versus Perth, who they've recruited very well in the off season, but I think and they've got a lot of big name players, but I think they just they're yet to gel as a team with um, a lot of players coming from Balcatta and then um, NTC ex-graduates and they've got a really good coach in um, Brogan there. So I think uh, they'll take a season to get running, I think. By the end of the season, they'll be a really good team, but um, just because of the potential that they have in their individual players. But once they gel, I think they'll
9: be a great team. Absolutely. Oh, I always say to my young players in my 14s girls' team, when they say, what can I do to improve, coach? And some of them have got really good skills and good attitudes anyway, Mm. and it's not just about their individual improvement, it's about all of the players knowing and liking each other and learning to trust each other, Mm. and knowing how each other plays, and then they all improve as an entire group, and you can see, as a coach, and you see those things connect through the season, it's very exciting. Yeah, I think, well, we had um, at NTC
12: um, our team that played the night series, and then you have Uh, seven or so players that weren't in that night series team as they were training and playing in the Perth Glory squad. Mm. So the NTC team in the night series did very well. And now you've got these, um, a bulk of new players coming in and we kind of had to, as a team, almost take a step back and reintroduce these players into the way that we wanted to play for the season Mm. and gel as almost a new side, Mm. bringing in these players and then um, re-going from there. And I think... The amount of work that we've put in in this off-season has just been amazing. And with the plays we've got and the team has come together really well in a really short period of time, I think we'll do really well this season. Great.
9: That, that's it, isn't it, Mariana, that all of the clubs are in exactly the same situation of there's been a, a long hibernation of football uh, and then they've had to... Get cracking when Football West has said, "Okay, uh, restrictions are easing. Football's back on. Get back into training. Season starting in such and such time." So the motivation of each individual has um, probably been exposed when they've had to put their boots on and get down to training. And the coaches going, "Oh my God, what have you been doing in the last three months?" <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, come on, we've got games in four weeks. Get your stuff together. How have you seen that period of hibernation and then activity pan out, Mariana?
14: Oh yeah, it's definitely rattled. Uh, I think each individual in the squad, as as well as the coaching staff, they've had to, I guess you know, adjust their pre-season completely. Um, a lot of the girls, you know, were coming in fit already, and now all of this isolation kind of time has changed things for a lot of people. Um, and I was at training the other week when they were told to get on the line and start running. Um, so I don't think many of the girls are too happy, but at the same time. <laughs> They, um, yeah, you kind of have no choice. You have to get fit.
9: You have to get firing. There's not much time. Yep, yep. And I see there's possibly a bit of risk factor with uh, with uh, fully fully grown. Uh, strong athletes, they're having to get fit in a, a fairly short space of time if they haven't had match fitness over the hibernation period and the risk there of injuries playing on the artificial surface and on the grass mm. um, and then all the impact that you couldn't do until restrictions were eased along the way is possibly a few more risk factors there.
12: Mm, for sure.
9: Yeah. yeah.
14: There definitely is, yeah. And then you throw in age, throw in um You know, some of the girls are also playing futsal, so you've got, um, yes, you know, they're starting to get into that as well. And, um, yeah, some girls are overloaded, some haven't got much on, so yeah, everyone's coming from different places, really.
9: Yeah, yeah, overload. That happens in the young ones as well. With my 12, 13, 14 year olds, they'll be doing netball or basketball at school. Then they'll do something else. And then they'll go from futsal to outdoor training. And they'll be doing like five things a week. And mm-hmm. they're, I mean, they're, they love it because they're excited and they've got yeah. lots of energy. But um, it's that, the
11: burnout that's yeah, your worry. Yeah. yeah, that's
9: right. I mean, you, you put them in uh, intense situations, mm-hmm. and your body and mind need time to consideration. Have consideration of things to make proper decision making, and then they also need to heal and have proper sleep, mm. and then have time for homework as well and study mm. to make parents happy. Very important. <laughs> yep. mm. Mariana, it's been wonderful having a chat with you. Uh, I do hope that we will see you playing some games for Mum FC very soon. The squad sounds awesome, and I'm looking forward to seeing their first game next week. So, uh, thank you very much for your time. Awesome.
14: Thank you very much for having me.
9: No problems. Enjoy your weekend. See ya.
14: Bye. You see, ya. see ya.
9: See ya. Mariana Tabane, a cracker of a player, mm. loved to see her playing for Perth Glory. If she gets stranded here, yes. <laughs>
11: <laughs> yeah, uh, she like obviously got Croatian uh, citizenship yeah. as well, so yeah. I can understand her her uh, dilemma. You know, yep. you you want to represent your country, mm. but then when you see the openings out there due to the squad that's basically yep. been anointed, mm. you've got to look for other options and, uh, yeah, don't blame her. Uh, wish shall luck with that. Yeah,
9: Karis yeah, Hawkins is another player that comes to mind. She was an awesome fullback for the Western Waves and maybe Perth Glory in mm. the early years, uh, Welsh origin. Yeah. So she went over and I think she did represent Wales, so that's where nationality lies or, or allegiance lies. And so I was always a bit disappointed with that because um, – players in WA are not often scattered as early as they could be and drafted in and then developed along the way. And uh, that kind of frustrates me in seeing some of the players here that if we, if they had been put in the same situation as some of the other players who are already at a higher level I- over East and have access to those opportunities, yeah. would they have developed um, and gone beyond? And it's, yeah, argh, so much <laughs> of it is just... Um, right place, right time, yeah, correct. really
11: And a bit of luck too Yeah, you know, a bit
9: of luck
12: You've
11: mm-hmm. got to be, score that important goal Or do that important piece of play That mm-hmm. gets the coach's eye And that's it, you're in
9: We are going to go to break And come back and have a chat with Thomas Richard Who's the coach of Fremantle City
0: Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM Oh, give me land Lots of land Under starry skies above
4: don't fence me in. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials, and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour bond aluminium, steel, and timber gates. Check out our galleries at oswestfencing.com.au. That's A U S W E S T fencing.com.au.
0: Don't
6: fence me in Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along Or order in your special part Gate and Fence Hardware WA station sponsor
2: we are one but we
9: Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penny tanner Don Evans and Miranda Templeman in the studio and Thomas Richard, who is joining us as the head coach from Fremantle City, WNPL coach. Good morning, Thomas. Good morning, Penny. Thank you for joining us. I appreciate your time today. We are talking women's football. It's a different year. It's starting later, finishing later and probably a little bit shorter, maybe just a little bit shorter uh, there are finals in the WNPL. Mm. There aren't finals in all of the competitions, and that's just one way that we're accommodating this strange and different season. How is your team shaping up going into this WNPL, the inaugural WNPL season?
15: Um, I think the team is uh, shaping up very well. Um, of course, the, the break was um, um, was a bit uh, disruptive um, for different reasons, of course, and uh, different players different players dealt with it differently. Um, but at the same time, it was also a good time for all of us to, to reflect on a few things, on how we prepare, how we coach, um, how we get fit. Um, so there were, there were some positives as, as, as well. But how, the team is shaping up very, very well.
9: How, how did you manage your playing group through the hibernation period? Because as a WNPL uh, club, you would have started the process months before we all went into hibernation uh, to prepare for the season did you have all your squad ready and then did you give them a plan that they were supposed to adhere to or did you leave them to relax and then when things were starting to kick back in did you go for it
15: uh we we, we, we tried we tried several things uh of course it was it was a bit of a challenge because we came up uh, off the the night series to a couple of weeks of of intense football uh, so that having an abrupt um, stop in all activities was, was quite challenging. So um, the way we managed this was first we, one of our um, coaching staff um, person in charge of strength and conditioning prepared a a home workout program for, for all the players. Um, And then it was not mandatory. It was more um, instruction uh, to follow. Um, It was up to the players to decide whether or not they would follow it. And then, um, one of our players well, Gemma, also proposed a home workout. She actually posted a little video on social media and players could, could follow the program. Um, and eventually uh, one of our other players, Michaela, um, who's actually uh, studying sports science, prepared a, a four-week program uh, just just before we resumed training, um, mostly based on running, uh, high interval training, so the players would get more or less ready when when we hit uh, back a
9: training ground. Do you think that the players were honest with you, coach, and they actually <laughs> adhered to the program, and then when you got them on the grass again altogether after the resumption of football, you could tell that they were all sticking to the program?
8: I think the vast
15: majority did. Um, there's a few probably who did not stick to the program or did not do much, but we, we could tell quite quite rapidly of, of those, uh, and then we adjusted the program. We run a bit more fitness session for, for those particular players to help them get back in shape um, rapidly. Mm,
12: I think a lot of it but, is also there's a difference between the running you can do by yourself and football fitness when you get back on the pitch, the short, sharp, change of direction, constantly for 90 minutes, that's a completely different ball game than going on a 5K run. Ex- totally.
15: Yeah, ex- exactly, exactly. I guess most of the program we were trying to put together was, was for injury prevention, making sure the girls would do sufficient strengthening mm-hmm. and just keep, keep, keep alert so their, their body was not going from high intensity, which is basically what was the night series, to, to absolutely nothing. Mm. Uh, that, was, that was the risk we wanted to avoid.
9: It's the motivation too through the hibernation period. Oh, I know that coaching uh, a group of girls that families had other things to attend to that were more important than football. So after about the first four weeks or so, um, you know, it was like, okay, we can keep giving out the information and we'll hope that everyone will attend to it and maybe keep their fitness and skill level up in whatever way they're able to. Uh, but, you know, the longer that the period stretched on in, in lockdown, so to speak, there was other things that um, mm. you know, started to become more important. For you know mums and dads as well, but getting back into it, you're right, there's a benchmark. we're all going to be playing games at this particular date. You will have to be fit and ready for that particular date, so we are going to adjust our programs. we're going to make sure you're all fit and ready. Do you have any reservations, Thomas, going into the new season about how the squad will be in terms of i don't know injuries or availabilities, anything like that?
15: uh for time being, we have uh, just one or two players that are very minor injuries, so so nothing nothing serious. Um, most of the players look quite sharp at training. Um, so I, I don't have any reserve for t- I mean, for time being, touch, touch wood.
9: That's good. You should say that absolutely anyway, so that all the other <laughs> coaches think that you're on top of it. <laughs> Could, would you like to ID some of the players in your squad, like give them a little bit of a profile to um, let our listeners know?
8: Um,
15: yes, of course. So, um, so we've got a um, group of players. It's basically the core of players we had uh, last season. And among them, we had two players who uh, finished uh, best and fairest uh, at the end of the season. So there was Jay McCrane and, and Laura Waltman. Yep.
2: Um,
15: we've got also um, Michaela Lyons, which was finished among some of the top goal scorers last, last season. Uh, and we were very lucky because two of the glory players that joined us are Natasha Rigby and Jamie Gale um, in the offseason. Um, and so we're very, we very blessed and pleased to, to, to have them uh, joining, joining the group.
9: Absolutely. It makes for a strong group. And, of course, you did do very well at the pre-season night series by winning it. But I do have to say that so did Mum FC. They did pretty awesome. I was yeah. very happy with their kick out in the WNPL. But congratulations on, on winning Thanks. the night series. You did a great job.
15: Thank you thank you so we, uh, at, at the same time like you said this, um, in, in the night series uh, a, a lot of the team were missing quite a lot of their players so, so I guess it it is it is instructive to to, to um, of the, the fact that we won the night series but at the same time uh, many team were uh, were missing some of the key players
11: Thomas so was just going to ask what's the goal for this year in in terms of what you would like to see at season's end Where, what sort of benchmarks have you set for the girls?
15: Um, the benchmark for me is, is always to, to improve. What, what is Im- most important for me is, is, is to, uh, to create consistency, to be able to produce results, uh, not just, uh, not just the night series or not just over a season, but try to, to build something long term. Mm. Um, and that, that involves the first thing, that involves also the, the under 23 and the under 18. So to make sure we give opportunities to players to play, to play up and make sure we, we create, you know, something that is lasting. Um, uh, that concerns also the coaching staff, trying to to get a large coaching staff so that uh, uh, it doesn't rely on one or two uh, two people. Yeah, so it's it's try to create really a culture a culture of of, of, of uh, performance of thought um,
11: for, for the long term. And how about with the interaction with the boys and the men's league as, uh, the girls, um, you know, and, and the boys basically, um, s- setting up a, a good social vibe down at the club at Fremantle because uh, I think it's, it's just so important having um, everyone together and treating it as a family.
15: Yeah, so there is a time to do that. It's a little bit uh, tricky at, at the club because we actually are uh, geographically separated. The, the boys are mostly training at Hilton Park, mm-hmm. uh, and all the girls and women at Warhol Park. Uh-huh. Um, so it, it's not it's not natural to organize a get together. Wow. Uh, but there is intention this year to organize dinner all together at, at Hilton, probably. So the intention is there. Yep.
9: Give us a, an idea of the size of Fremantle City and the pathways for girls and women from young to high football levels there.
15: Um, so if, if we if we talk about the girls' side, so we have uh, all the, the junior uh, levels, so we've got uh, under, um, under 12, under 14, under 16, under 18. There's two team under 16 um, and I think maybe two team under 14. Uh, and we have all the different level in women football so from WNPL i think all the way to division 3 i think um, and we just got a technical director that's been appointed uh, just dedicated to uh girls and women uh, where all the ideas is just to strengthen the pathway um for 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 the girls and women
9: uh, and who is that uh
15: that's Gary Church
9: Gary Church
15: mm. <laughs> yes
9: Ooh. He, used to name, be the, he used to be a, a coach at Football West And at Mum MC. C
11: And Mum and yeah, Sterling he, going yeah. way back ECU mm. He's mm-hmm. definitely done uh,
9: Good catch
11: He knows the whole of this town That's for sure mm. yeah.
9: Absolutely yeah. And how's the pre-season Or sorry the, the, the last four or so weeks gone Have you played some scratch matches And how have they gone
15: No we haven't played any scratch matches We're playing one tomorrow Against uh, Redback
9: Okay wow That's some test
15: Yes Yes, that's fantastic, exactly.
9: <laughs> <laughs> and then your first game is going to be against Perth Soccer Club. Are all the fixes at three o'clock? Yeah, on Sunday. Yeah, okay. I think it is, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, what's your thoughts, Thomas, on the A-League switching from a a summer season to a winter season? What do you think about that?
15: Um, I'm, I, I, I don't know. I guess it would have consequences. What, what will be exactly the time they will be they will be playing, the uh, time of the season? I
9: don't know. The, the hub is going to happen in the next um, three or four weeks, I think. So the end of the current A-League season, which usually finishes in about April or May, will happen in about three or four weeks. So that's the end of the last A-League season. And then they're thinking they're going to change to winter. And I assume it will go parallel to our local winter season, so April to September-ish.
15: hmm I don't know. And what's, what's the rationale behind? I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure.
9: So, Well, originally, they changed it to a summer season to avoid the big national sports in their, their space, the same profile space and branding space. So avoiding the AFL season and maybe rugby or whatever, I'm not sure. But I think that's less important and less significant now because we're coming to our own space and maybe we need to create our own brand and moving out of that summer space into the winter space which is typically a football space
2: mm. Mm.
9: Mm. there'll be cons- well, there'll be consequences yeah. like you say and I think one of them might be well that it'll might clash at times with local fixtures
15: yeah which 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 i think is is, is, is fine I, I guess the, the the most important is um, for for the, the the top league is is probably to have more games, I think the players at that level needs to have more games. I think it would be nice if there was also more teams mm. um so players you know players for player for the post globe I don't know how many games they had last season eight ten games or twelve games
9: in the um, which league
15: in 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 the the, the top league in the um, the women league
12: w uh,
9: league yeah, yeah not not many it, well, three months I think it spans over yeah
12: very very short very short yeah yeah,
9: I don't think they um It's kind of
12: confusing because I don't think they've officially announced whether the W League season will be staying in winter, uh, staying in summer or moving with the A League to the winter. But with the W League, if it does move to winter, then that does create a lot of issues in our women's NPL. Player availability. Mm. Player availability because Mm. you've got players that play in Perth Glory who if they don't travel internationally, that's when they – Like Jamie Lee Gale and Tash Reepy. Correct. And you've got these players that um, come into the NPL space to hone their skills um, and prepare themselves for the W League season to go again. But if you had the W League season and the NPL season running side by side, you wouldn't have these... Perth Glory players in the MPL and thus reducing the quality, I
9: think. Or the international players that come from, example, for merit from America, mm. which really add value to the W League season when it runs in that short space from October or November through to January or February. Mm. Yeah.
12: Well, I guess I, it might offset from the – well, you've got two options really because you can keep it short and offset it to the European League and then bring in European players offload rather than American players Or you can look to expand the league and have the league compete with the likes of
9: America and Europe. Mm. And there are more of our Australian female players now going to Europe. Mm. Um, Caitlin Ford, Sam Kirk, um, Marianne Deveen. Yeah, so yes, lots of consequences. Not sure what the answer is there. Uh, Mm -hmm. Thomas, just thought I'd throw that into the conversation and uh, see what you thought about it. I'm sure after this WNPL season of having the glory players go into so many different teams Mm -hmm. and making the competition much stronger for us. And then once they form the W League season, we'll kind of, we'll go, okay, well, this has worked for our local season and now we're going to be able to see those players and support them, Mm -hmm. hopefully, if we're allowed to go into the stadiums Mm -hmm. um, when they start playing. And then if they change that season, then we'll, we'll know more because we'll have had them in our local season and see how it affects our local season quality and drawing crowds and so on. And we certainly do want to draw crowds because female football really doesn't draw a whole lot of crowd Mm. here in in the Perth local season. But, I mean, that's something that we'll work on, no doubt better facilities, winning a Women's World Cup and yeah, all those kind of things help. Thomas, it's been fantastic having a chat to you. Uh, appreciate your thank time. You. And good luck with your first fixture against Perth Soccer Club and also your scratch match against Northern Redbacks.
15: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Brittany.
9: No problems at all. All the best, Thomas. Bye, Thomas. Uh,
15: thank you. Uh, have a nice day.
9: Bye-bye. Bye. Too. That was the head coach of Fremantle City WNPL, Thomas Richard, with a great <laughs> accent.
11: Yeah, nice.
9: French accent. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Yes, very good. We are going to go to a break and come back and have a chat to Sheriff Andros, who is the chair of Football West. This is Penn, Don, and Miranda. Back soon.
7: Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM.
11: Hi, and welcome to the World Football Program. The team are on the air for 2019 from February through to the end of November at their usual Saturday time of 10 till 12. Become a member of our Facebook group, join in the football chat, share your news and win prizes throughout the year. Thanks for tuning in to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle.
3: A slower version of the World Game is starting up as part of a program to get seniors out and about. It's already proved popular in the UK and it's hoped
1: an Australian league won't be far off. It's called walking
12: football. Soccer made just for seniors and it's become so popular in the UK it has its own World Cup. Oh! Oh, does it actually get the heart rate up at all?
11: Oh yeah, 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 it's harder than it looks. It's everything about football.
13: You've got to learn those skills and, and just not run. That's the only thing. We're looking forward to a league match, kind of thing, you know. a competition? Oh, yes. Well done.
12: Only a quarter of Aussies aged over 65 get the daily recommendation of 30 minutes exercise. The federal government's hoping to get more seniors up and about, so it's teamed up with
1: the Football Federation and Perth Glory to get veteran players back on the
6: pitch. I think we're going to really give it a a big crack uh, through our social media. We're gonna reach 70,000 people in WA straight away.
1: The number of Australians
12: over 65 is expected to double in the next 40 years, which means even more pressure on the health system. So getting seniors into sport means everyone will be kicking
7: goals. If we can get more people over 65 back into their local clubs participating in sport, uh, we know we're gonna see positive benefits to the health budget. Both mental health and physical health, and with walking footballs modified
12: rules, being too old is no longer an excuse.
10: I know we had an 88-year-old nonna uh, playing in our pilot program in Belmont. Uh,
8: I know because I missed the ball and she got the ball. So,
1: <laughs> Belinda Wilkinson for Ten
7: News first.
9: Everybody has. Welcome back. This is the World Football Programme on 107.9 FM. Appreciate everybody listening in and messages on the Facebook page. If you want to put a shout out for your club, you can text this number 0408921832, 0408921832. If you want to give a shout out to your club, your team or anyone who's done some hard work in that team, text that number 0408921832. 921-832, Nine two one eight three two, and we'll put the message on air. You've got Penny, Don, and Miranda in the studio, and we're having a chat to Sharif and Drouse. Good morning, Sharif. How are you feeling after that walking football?
8: Good, good, Penny. Yes, absolutely. I like that promo. It was a cracker. I'm a, a convert to work, walking football now, and I just come come from playing this morning.
9: Good, excellent. Is that like a, a hub down in Fremantle Way?
8: Oh no, no, it's in Flora. Um, wow just uh, up there and there's, uh, there's four teams that play there every Saturday morning and um, and now we're back playing again after the break it's uh, it's, it's fantastic for an old bloke like me to get a, get, get a kick still it's great
9: yeah and you didn't get rained upon
8: we did get rained upon I'm very aware I'm actually just got home and I'm sitting on a towel and throwing my gear <laughs> and I'm that wet I was not allowed to sit in the I wasn't allowed to sit on the, on the, on the sofa, so I'm sitting in the towel.
9: on soaking wet. Dedication <laughs> to the cause. And that's what happens to us football tragics after training session when there's meetings and we have to go straight to them or we have to sit in the car and mum takes us home. Here, have the towel, quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
11: did, 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 you, did you have all the fan base cheering you on, Sharif? That's the important thing. <laughs> there's, was, was, a, there's, the, a, there's a very limited fan base, Don, very
8: limited. You, you, you're, they were, they you,
11: you're working on it though, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh,
8: yeah. One bloke and his dog walking past
11: me. <laughs>
2: <Yeah. laughs>
9: Sherry, tell us how things are, are looking at Football West. Are the old offices at the Princess Margaret Hospital are being utilised or is everyone working from home?
8: Um, everyone's back in now at Princess Margaret Hospital. Um, there's fewer people than there used to be. It's been a very challenging time for Football West, as it has been for, for, for everybody in the football community. In fact, everybody in the whole community. Um, but we're all back back there now. It's been a a really, really tough last couple of weeks, but we're getting through the season starting, which is fantastic.
9: Yep. And uh, we'll say, as we've said with just about every guest, that uh, the news of the Women's World Cup being successful and basically it was kind of, you know, that pyramid was pointing to the tip of... Australia and New Zealand was going to get it because people Mm. were falling by the wayside along the way and we've done all the right things. So this is good for Australia. We know that one of the stadiums here in Perth has been put into the bid and that's the new home of football. So congratulations on us all, on Football West, for doing whatever work they're doing. And I guess this has kind of jumped the queue for us getting that home of football. Really, we get the World Cup bid. We're going to have a game here in Perth. We've got to have a stadium to do it.
8: Well, yes, yes and no. Well, yes, you're absolutely right. There the, are a lot of things came together at the same time. We'll talk about the home of football, I guess, in the second the state football centre, as it's officially called now. Yep. And I think that the Women's World Cup bid Really did help. It was it, it, in, in getting that approved. We've been working on that for so many years. And if you look at the bid document that Australia and New Zealand put together uh, many months ago to, to for this, um, you had to, to do a few things. One was to say which stadium the games going to be played at, which is going to be H- HBS Stadium. But you also had to say what was the training facilities because these these teams come you know, weeks beforehand and they need top. Top class, state of the art training facilities, which we didn't necessarily have, and the State Football Centre was put in the bid document in anticipation of being approved. Luckily, it has been approved, and um, and that was one of the things that really I, I think helped in, in terms of WA being a part of the um, part of the bid. You know, if you go back over a year ago, there was some you know, media press saying that you no know, WA wasn't going to be included as part of the, the bid at all. Um, if you recall. Yeah. And it was going to be a bit like the Asian Cup where we missed out. And so there was a lot of work that, that we did as Football West and, and you know, really kudos to James Curtis in particular, and Will Will Goldstein, our deputy chair, in pushing the concept of games being played here and the State Football Centre being part of it. And so I hadn't it been for that, I think we'd have missed out at WA as well. So it's a there's a lot of things gone behind the scenes to get to this point that people might not realise.
9: So you did mention the HBF Park, which is where Perth Glory mm. play, but you yeah. didn't mention Optus Stadium. So, is, no. okay, is that because it's too big?
8: Well, a number of reasons, but I think HBF Park is is a, is a perfect rectangular stadium for playing some of these games. Um, I, we don't know what what games we're going to get, what teams are going to be put, based here in WA, but you know, a full twenty three thousand at HBF Park, and a rectangular, tight stadium is a great atmosphere, and that's something you know, really look forward to that.
12: Mm. Yeah, I do know that. Um, one of the requirements for a FIFA stadium to be used at the World Cup is that it can't be used by any other. Um, sports or clubs during the World Cup, which would rule out Optus Stadium as it would be used for AFL during mm-hmm. the same part- time period.
8: Great, yeah. love hearing yeah. that. You're absolutely absolutely right, Moran. But that's
9: mm-hmm.
8: the same as
9: she's MCGs had. Yeah, and uh, and so yeah. So I also did note that in the promos for the Women's World Cup, Scott Morrison was saying a maximum of three hours of travel between something and something, and I can't remember what exactly it was. I'm not quite sure if it was each of the hubs or from any of the football matches occurring. Uh, yeah,
8: I think it was from city to city, and I think with a good tailwind, you can get to Adelaide.
9: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I sometimes
8: in these, in these big things, we put a poetic licence,
9: I suspect. Yeah. So um, speaking of poetic licence then, so we want to have the... the State Football Centre, well, I'll stop calling it the home of football now, so the State Football Centre, it's going to be built, the funds have been allocated, we're in the bid. Would there be anything that would stop that happening?
11: Or would there be another facility put up as an option besides that? Are we locked uh, into Queen's Park? Oh,
8: there's a few different questions there. It's talking about the bid itself for the World Cup. When, when, the, when games are allocated it's the top of your way then no doubt the state football centre will be one of those training centres because, as you know, in World Cups, you often get a group allocated to one one area. So if Mm -hmm. the group's allocated here, there'll be a number of teams. And I think that there's a few other local clubs as well, state football centre like, um, uh, uh, I think, Dalmaton Park's been put up as a a, a venue as well and Forestfield too, maybe Bayswater, have been put up as other training venues for for countries when they come. So we need to have a a number of good quality training venues for the countries, for the base, really.
9: Well, wow, that's interesting. I'm just thinking of Murdoch University's facility and how you didn't mention it there and how they've yep. still got to expand on some of the surrounding arrangements there to make it um, in the final state that was proposed at the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. Was that not a consideration at all? Yeah, I'm, I'm, not,
8: I'm not really sure. I can't, I can't answer that question, unfortunately. Okay. But I know that what, what, what the, the bid document did is put up lots of alternatives. So I'll give you another example. You had to put up, if you look at the bid document, which you can get from the FIFA website, and you can see it, it has to list you a know, number of hotels in, in Perth that would be suitable for the FIFA delegation. So there, there are a couple of hotels mentioned there now. Are they going to be the final ones that are actually used by FIFA? Probably not. I think you had to demonstrate you had enough you know, training grounds, you had enough hotels, cetera, and those sort of things to, to qualify for, for their requirements.
9: Yeah, and- So imagine
8: now, now it's one, FIFA will start, you know, going more details to what, what how things will actually work.
9: Yes, and proximity to those hotels too. Mm-hmm. So, for exa- yeah. just an example, if Murdoch University was chosen as a venue, but there's no hotels, uh, maybe Fremantle might be the the closest area. Maybe that's not mm-hmm. yeah the, the ideal training arrangement. Mm-hmm. Although Fremantle could do with a bit of an injection of tourism and anything at the moment. Yeah. It's kind of got a bit quiet in the last uh, couple of years. Old so Fremantle. Mm-hmm. Bit of a ghost town, like
11: actually. and Oh, We were there last week when it his chockers at uh, was it? the Fisherman's Harbour. Yeah, it was uh, nice. yeah, it was mad.
8: But um yeah,
9: weekdays it's a bit of a ghost town. Yeah, mm. yeah. But anyway, talking to
8: Fremantle, so, yeah. Fremantle it was great to hear Thomas speaking to beforehand. He's a, he's a great coach. I, I you may or may not know. I coach one of the teams down at Fremantle as well. And I, on the Wednesday night matching coaches the pitch next to his, and I'd love to think some of what he, his do, he does rubs off on my team. But it
9: <laughs> 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 Which team are you coaching?
8: I coach the social, technically South Social Division 2 women's team. So it's very social, a lot of fun, and uh, many levels of talent below what Thomas does.
9: You have been coaching for so many years, Sheriff. How long have you been involved uh, with Fremantle?
8: I've been coaching there. I think it's my 25th or 26th year wow. straight coaching down there. Yeah.
11: A couple of yeah. questions from, uh, some great fans that we got, uh, of yours and Football West and, uh, and also this show. Um, j- just with the officers, um, Sharif, when, when do we expect the, um, actual Football West offices to be, uh, open and, um, You know, having all our staff on deck there, are they still working from home or are they back back in office?
8: They're they're all back on board now. Back on board. Um, They're all back on board now, yeah.
11: So is the office open for, um, uh, call it, um, the family to pop in and say hello and uh, whatever? It it,
8: it is is open as as it can be. I was there during the week and there was some work being done. There's... uh, the site's not ideal, PMH, for yeah. for, any, for anyone, but it's it's it, it, work, it does, does what it has to do. Yeah. So it's pretty tough to get in and out sometimes. But yeah, it's certainly accessible to anybody who needs to access any, any, any staff. And know the last couple of weeks have been working. I mean, last weekend, I think, they were working all weekend, which is fantastic. In fact, the Friday before the season started, I think was the busiest day in terms of number of registrations in one single day ever had in one day. <laughs> so they're, they're really working very hard at the moment.
9: Is that going to be the office for Football West until the State Football Centre is built and then that's where you'll relocate to? You
8: know, I'd like to say that was the case, but I don't think it will be. I think there's a plan to demolish PMH, which is sort of really out of our hands. So we're there at the uh, really at the goodwill of the government um, and they basically said, look, We'll we'll accommodate you. We're rent free somewhere until the state football Centre is open, but I suspect we'll be we'll be moved at some point because um, it, it's it, we're kind of in, a bit of an inconvenience at PMH, which is great. I'm really grateful they put us there at the moment. But I think they'll, they'll find us somewhere else uh, in the meantime because the state football centre is still a couple of years till it's till it's um that's going to be available for us to move
11: into. So just with the staff that you um, still have, um, the, the people that are there basically are being asked to multi-skill, I'm sure. Um, how, how are you juggling that, you know, in terms of making sure that there's no conflicts? Um, it, it, because obviously, you know, you want to make sure that the integrity of the competitions and everything's, you know, nice and steady as she goes. Um, is, is that a little bit of a difficult juggle? Because there are people, you know, who are connected to clubs Level, uh, be they Jamie Harnwell or um, Jason Peckovic, um, Brad Hassel. You know, there, there's perceived conflicts there, especially when decision making is being made on uh, competitions. Oh, you didn't
8: mention me and how important State League Division Two. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, Sharif, I, I dropped I'll you down the ladder, mate. You're on, you're fourth <laughs> on the ladder. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no. Look, look, look at the moment. It's, as with all the clumps, the, 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 the clumps themselves are having to just you know do things in a different way and as fast as they can, and really multitask. And, and everyone in, in their business life are doing the same thing. And football West is no different. Yeah. The fact the fact is that you know, we're struggling financially, as mm-hmm. many people are, we're trying to get a season that's different to usual, together in a short space of time with fewer staff in a different way, and uh, we just have to do. Kind of, it's, it's knees must at the moment. Now, what we will be doing is looking after this initial period of getting everything going, is looking towards next season and making sure that things will be different next season. It might be a different location, the structure of the team will be different. And we'll really focus on making sure that um, the service we provide to clubs, players, the community is, is, is top notch. So I think that it's at the moment, it's just we're facing the issues that are in front, in front of us right now. But over the next few months, you'll see quite a few changes, in think, Football West. Okay. Is
9: is some of those changes that there'll be more staff taken on?
8: I think we're got, we, I think we'll have to rearrange. There'll be, I, I imagine, there'll be some more staff taken on. But we'll rearrange some of the structure of how we deliver services and, and do a full we'll restructure of how football West is going to look internally as well. Yeah. Um, and.
11: Yeah. Is is there a chance that people who may have been laid off due to the uh, uh, inclement uh, climate, economic climate, um, may be reinstated, or are you going to be just putting it out um, the whatever jobs are there just to uh, the broader uh, community and um, e- everyone p- puts their application in as per normal? Yeah, I, th- I think I think we we to look at it look at
8: it afresh as to what we're going to what Football West is going to look like. And you, you see it in the business world and mo- most things people are doing now is this whole pandemic has given the opportunity to think, well, wh- what are we here for? Why are we here and how are we doing things? And Football West no different. Football West, if you think about it, it's really a service organisation. We provide service to the, the broader football community, um, not just in Perth but right across the state. And how, how do we best do that? And I think this has given a real opportunity for us to think about that. And so... Um, a lot of things are on the table and there's a lot of um, a, a, an opportunity think of it as an opportunity really um, yep
9: how is the change to electronic Mac sheets across so much of the Football West organisation uh, being felt and seen and handled oh,
8: that's a great question I'd say t- something funny I, bit, internally they've been talking about putting you know going digital for a while and I, I'm, a, I'm a real I was always a real doubter on that and at the start of the season, uh, I said, it was, uh, gonna it's just going to work, this electronic match cards? Because some of the stuff we get from FFA doesn't always work. And, um, you know, I, I, I made sure I went to, there was a video presentation that was done last week to all the club officials, and I attended that, and I really paid attention. And That was great, by the way. Uh, that, that was great. Yeah. It was great. And and, and just, and, and you know, personally, my, um, my 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 team manager was away at the weekend, so I had to do the match cards myself, and I did it, so I'm first hand knowledge of sitting standing sitting by the pitch with my phone and putting the match card in. And you know what? It was really easy. I was really surprised how easy it was compared to writing handwriting out, you know, and having it 15, having it fifteen minutes beforehand to the referee and that but it was it was so easy to do. And um I was really quite surprised. And then afterwards being able to see go to the website and see when the goals were scored, who played the goals, how what the half time score was all the match stats are there, which never would have been and in real time as well. So I was I'm 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 amazed at how good it was. It was, it was it's, much, it's much better. Now, I think there are a few clubs that probably were, didn't quite get it in the first week, but I imagine the football West gives some leeway to, to those clubs, but, you know, yeah. two or three weeks from now, everyone will be going, this is the best thing that's happened. It, it, it is so it is so easy. I'm talking part, part from personal experience, but yeah. also from the feedback we've had from most clubs. I did ask in, in the office, you know, how has it been? And, and the vast majority have said this has actually been been a lot easier and it was actually even at walking football today it was a topic because some people there are present things about the clubs and say how was it and they, everyone was saying how good the electronic like, match cards were so um, I, I, I was think, a down to be honest and it was actually very well received
9: I think that one of the things that I like about it and um, it, it seemed to be introduced in a short space of time Um, for everyone to get the concept Um, but Football West put out the online uh, Zoom meetings and the tutorials and things like that and Mm -hmm. then once the clubs themselves got their handle on the administration side of it as to who would be allowed access then it started to move along a lot quicker and people understood that well not everyone was going to get access to entire databases only to limited ones and then the the privacy concept kind of came into play then but as a coach I find that I can see how many players the other the team has got yeah. to play the, the game. And because all the fixes have been changing so much, Sheriff, it was like yeah. absolute Heaven for me to go. Okay, wow, that team's only got seven players. I think I'm going to ring them to check. So now, what we do each week is we check with the other team and just make sure. And someone might say, oh, "I just can't get a hold of this bloody system. It doesn't make sense." But we've had a word to Football Western. And it's all good. I'm like, "Yes, excellent. We'll see you on Sunday." So you can have those kind of conversations and and you, know, you find out yourself without turning up to no team being there. Yeah,
8: well, and, I, and as a coach, you can see. You can see every other team's game as well. If he's been playing, he's scored the goals. Um, there's a lot more information there. It's quite, it's quite rich information that you, you can get. You know, are they, are they scoring the goals early, late, or whatever? Yep. Which was never available before. It, it might have been at the MPL level, but certainly not the social level, he didn't have that. So yep. I think it's going to be—it take a while to get used to, but um, it's, it's a good its a good innovation, absolutely. And the decision that was made, it was quite late on. He didn't have to print them out. And it was purely electronic. I think that helps as well.
9: yep uh, I, have a, I have a question on the State uh, Football Centre. Uh, Will there be a dedication to various areas of football, like will one tier completely be a football museum, for example?
8: Is that a question for you or for (laughs) Louis? Look, um, it's interesting. Well, the the next few stages, there's quite a few stages to go now around community um, community consultation, environmental things, design, etc., etc., And I guess at the moment it's it's just a concept. We've asked for a state football centre. and It's got to do you know a list of things. Now the, the next stage is really going to be saying, well, is that wish list the same? We need an area for you know the game's history, for example, and they'll uh, we'll give that to to the to the um, designers and to say what, what can you come up with. Now the, the the process from now is really being run by the government. So the Department of um, uh, Local Government, Sport, and whatever it's called now, and the Department of Building and Works are really managing the whole thing. We're essentially their clients. We'll say to them, look, we want to have these many meeting rooms, these many training rooms, this size of gym. We want a football museum. We want this, 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 this. And we'll see what they come up with. Okay. And there will be a process from there. Yep. I don't know we'll get a whole floor dedicated to the, to the museum, but we'll, we'll get what we can. Good.
9: Good
11: so man. when when's the first pour? Has the government actually told you when they're going to actually lay a foundation for the home of football?
8: When? Uh, I, I think that we'd like to see the ground broken by the end of the year. It's yep. not digging happening there. Mm-hmm.
9: Nice. All right. Well, yep. I did say that I work not too far away, so I'll be giving progress reports, okay? <laughs> if there's no soil broken, I'll be on the phone to you, mate.
11: <laughs> <laughs> Our in- inside lady. <laughs> good. That's good.
8: I'll you down there every week and check it out for us, penny. That's it.
9: <laughs> Sheriff, it's been great having you on the radio, yep. and, uh, yeah, thanks for letting us know about the walking football, and uh, you have quite an involvement in, in football generally. It's great. I appreciate yep. your time not today. Great.
8: Thanks. Thanks. Good to talk to you,
9: Penny, Don, Miranda. Yeah. Good on you. you have Thanks a great weekend. All the best, Cheers. Sharif. Cheers. See Bye. Bye. Sharif and Drouse. Like mouse, he said. And Drouse. Okay. <laughs> and Drouse like mouse. <laughs> West. Thank you, everyone. I think we've covered everything in, in that superb two hours today, Don, Miranda. We definitely have. Yep. Next up is the jazz program with Len and Bags Groove. Mm. We will see you in two weeks' time. Actually, Sean will see you in two weeks' time, then we'll be back – sorry, next week, and then we'll be back in two weeks' time after that. Thank you, everyone, for listening in.